0: This is James Montgomery and this is the Stinger podcast. You know, when you're playing football and you hit somebody really hard and you get this like shot up your up your arm and your arm goes numb and it feels like, you know, you might have like broke it or something. Well, it's that, but it's for your ears, okay? So today I got a couple things, okay? So I'm going to rant on coaches here in a sec. And then I'm going to talk about um, I'm going to give you a coaches list, my coaches list, and then I'm going to talk about the top five worst firings in the NFL, something you've never, ever heard, and I think it's solid. I think the list is solid. And then I'm going to go into my tier lists. I just did QBs and wide receivers. I'm just going to go into that, and then I'm going to talk about the AFC West because I think it's super interesting. I just wanted to rant for a second about head coaches. Uh, It all started with the Bruce Arians, you know, uh, fire – relocating Bruce Arians, and Bruce Arians, you know, a few times on interviews stated something along the lines of, oh, it had a lot to do with Byron left, which is why we were so successful on offense. If you have to, as a head coach, um, not give credit to the best football player to ever walk the earth and Tom Brady, uh, I just lost a lot of respect for you and bruce arians when he was you know everybody thinks he wanted out you know he wanted to give todd bowles the job he wanted out i don't really believe that especially after those interviews it tells me that him and brady had a really awkward relationship and after the miami situation fell apart uh where brady was planning on going to miami with sean payton and all the uh, accusations came out about the owner paying off brian flores uh and they decided not to do that he wanted to go back to Tampa. And I don't think he wanted to work with um, <clears throat> Bruce Arians. And the fact that Bruce Arians will not give credit to Tom Brady is absolutely ridiculous. And it just it it, it proves the fact that it's no longer uh, a discussion about whether it's a coach or a quarterback. It's 70 percent the quarterback, 30 percent the coach. I think we can all like come to terms with that today especially in today's game. I think, you know, back in the day or whatever, it was different today. 70% of the reason why your team's good is because of your quarterback, 30% is your head coach. And it could be more. However, I will give the head coach 30% credit because they do have to run everything. But that quarterback has more to do with the success of a team than the head coach. And what we're seeing now from head coaches is this stubborn attitude from te- guys like Belichick, who are moving uh, failed head coaches, defensive head coaches, and special teams coordinators to the offensive side of the ball because he doesn't have an answer for that, it's it's just this rigid like behavior that doesn't. It just it just kind of validates the fact that quarterbacks are more of the reason why your team is good, and it's not because of you as a head coach. And I think head coaches are getting super insecure, and they're trying to like dig their feet in the ground. And it's just very frustrating to me. And you you know, I used to coach, and I, you know, I I was a part of that. You know, I was in there, and I used to think that I was the reason why this guy was doing good. And you know, sometimes you do tell a kid that things are working out. You know, you you give them a, you know, a thought, and maybe it works. But to be honest, it's usually because the kid's really good and has nothing to do with what you told them or not told them. However, as a as a coach, you know, maybe in high school. It has a lot more to do with you because you're the only one there and you've been there for years. Uh or college, you know, Nick Saban is known to bring in new faces just so he can get new perspectives. Also, his guys get, you know, obviously get picked up and, and hired elsewhere. But he likes getting changing. He likes changing. And I and I think, and I see this in all these head coaches in the NFL. Like, you know, guys, I, Ron Rivera is a guy who. I really like how, however, I don't see a ton of like innovation from him and things like that. I, 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 I feel like he is somebody who I could see moving into that category of, you know, I'm going to change. I want things, different things. You you know, I don't like the way things are going. I'm going to change it. He's kind of like the one coach who isn't doing well right now, who I could see really turning it around. Um, the, the coaches, like Mike Tomlin, who we all love, like everybody loves Mike Tomlin. However, they are literally paying – they have the least amount of money invested in the offensive side of the ball. They're literally last in the league in how much money they're spending on the offensive side of the ball. And I really think that's an issue, and I really think it's going to be an issue for them this year. Uh, maybe not in the years to come. You know, one day they'll have to pay a quarterback uh, somebody. They're going to have to pay somebody. To do well, but right now I, I I don't see a lot of success from the Steelers from that reason solely. Um, guys like Mike McCarthy, who in the playoffs you know ran that QB draw and um, just sticks his foot in the ground and thinks that he's you know had the right play call, you know, th- trying to say that he knows the playbook or, or knows the rule book when he doesn't. He's to me, he's like probably. I know he's not the worst coach in the league, but he's the worst um, coach with accolades. The, the, I would pick Lovey Smith over uh, Mike McCarthy today. Lovey Smith to me is just a more, you know, solid, like level-headed dude, and Mike McCarthy is just too stubborn for me. And um, it, it, it just gets real frustrating when I watch these coaches basically just screw the thing up. It's not even necessarily like. Whether they're good or bad, you know, these younger coaches, you look at like Sean McVay, uh, uh, Kyle Shanahan, who I, Kyle Shanahan, Matt, Matt LaFleur, I could care less about off the field, but on the, you know, as a football coach, these guys just, they don't screw the thing up, right? They just stay out of the way. They don't make poor decisions. They have all their things, they have their ducks in a row, and they just know not to screw the thing up. And these older coaches are just in here screwing everything up and it just drives me nuts. So that brings me to my next point. You can be a genius and get it wrong. Okay. And this is like a personal story. So me and, me and my wife are looking to buy a new house, right? Where we live in a house. We don't like it. We want to go a new house. And, you know, uh, somebody comes and tells me oh yeah just hang on to your money don't move out yet. don't move out yet and i'm like you know and i'm like well who says that and they're like well the guy that predicted the market crash in 2008 said it uh the guy that wrote rich rich dad poor poor dads uh said it and you know at first you're like okay well all these smart guys are saying it so it's like oh yeah i'm gonna go talk to my wife and be like hey we shouldn't do that but I, but then i was like you know what hold on a sec hold on a sec smart people get it wrong all of the time and i realize these guys that are especially established like wealthy men okay first off the thing uh, you you know the fact that they're telling you to hold on to your money is you know a very safe thing to say because it's like okay what if you know what if it goes the opposite where it's like they should have bought you know you should have bought a house or something it's like These people are so well established that they can make a mistake, okay. And you, if you make a mistake, it could set you back for years, you know. So, my argument is is you shouldn't follow. You know, you see a really smart person doing something really dumb. You know, I'm not not saying that they're you know them telling you to hang on your money is dumb or anything because that's not even a bad you know bad advice. But for example, Belichick decides you know first he brings Matt Patricia he wants Matt Patricia to be the offensive coordinator but now he's like okay we don't have an offensive coordinator and you know on the outset you're like well he's really smart so he must know something we don't or it's like you know what he's already done everything that he needs to do in his career and it's like he doesn't care like let's just be straight like he can do this if uh Who's a brand new head coach? The Eberflus guy up in Chicago decides to do that. Yeah, he 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 doesn't have the leeway to do something like that. Like Belichick, even if Belichick got fired this year, like let's say Belichick goes 4-13, and 13, which isn't going to happen. That's not happening. But let's say he did and he gets fired for some reason. Nobody cares. And neither does he. He's done everything in his career that he needs to do he can make a mistake. So to me, it has more to do with his you know, his clout because I still see Belichick as the best coach of all time. And I know a lot of people don't feel that way because Tom Brady's doing so well without him. But this goes to my next point. As coaches need a quarterback that fits their style. The only coach I know of, who's literally been able to do it with multiple quarterbacks, and it's very clear, that he's and he's been very successful, is Andy Reid. And Andy Reid couldn't even win a Super Bowl prior to Mahomes. So, you know, you could argue that too. But coaches need a quarterback that fits them. Belichick needed Brady, but you know what? Without, without uh, Belichick, Brady couldn't have done it because Belichick was the one who saw that Brady should be the starter. And Belichick's the one who decided to start him, so it still is Belichick. Like it, the whole thing started because of Belichick, so you can't you can't just sit there and discount everything he said, you know, or or everything he did. Excuse me. You know, uh, you go back to Landry and Staubach. It's like, what if Landry had Joe Namath? The way Landry was, I don't think Joe Namath and him would have meshed. You know, I don't think him and Bradshaw would have meshed. I think he needed Roger Staubach, and I think Roger Staubach needed him. He needed the structure. They went to seven Super Bowls. It's like the only uh, dynasty that's even you know comparable to the Patriots today. You know, seven Super Bowls. I mean, you know, they only won two, so it wasn't like this big thing, but they went to seven, so it was you know comparable to the Patriots. Um, Montana and Walsh. I'd argue they needed each other. Montana's a gunslinger. Walsh was running a West Coast offense, you know. Uh Noel and Bradshaw. Noel was like a hard-nosed defensive coordinator who had Bradshaw who was uh you know safe with the ball, didn't you know, didn't uh turn the ball over. And they won four Super Bowls in, you know, four and oh in Super Bowls. Gibbs and Thiesman, Joe Gibbs and Thiesman, went to four Super Bowls, went three and one in Super Bowls. So um <clears throat> My belief is that coaches need the quarterback and the quarterback needs the coach that fits, that they work together and they, and they mesh and they, and they can create something great. And this is my argument for, for Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan needs Garoppolo. I know Garoppolo is leaving. I know, I know all that. And I, you know what, maybe I'm wrong about Shanahan and I've always, you know, I've always had issues with Shanahan. but you know what? Maybe I'm wrong about him. Maybe maybe Trey Lance is going to be legit. Maybe I'm all wrong. And uh, But I believe Garoppolo was the perfect quarterback for Shanahan. And I believe if they would have stuck with it, I think they would have won a Super Bowl. Now that Garoppolo is leaving, I'm very, you know, and I like I said, I could be all wrong about this. However, I do believe that Garoppolo is perfect for Shanahan. Shanahan was perfect for Garoppolo. And now Garoppolo is going to leave. He's not going to, you know, wherever he goes, it's going to be a bad football team. Maybe not. Maybe it's a team that's good that, you know, quarterback goes down in the first five weeks or whatever and he gets picked up. So maybe not. But I will be very surprised. Let me put it this way I'll be surprised if Shanahan gets the same amount of success with a different quarterback, not Garoppolo. There's just, and this is the part that nobody really looks into is the is the chemistry between the coach and the quarterback. You know, nobody actually. You know, everyone just thinks, well, Aaron Rodgers is really good. He would do good with anybody. You know, maybe, right? Probably just as good. But what if Aaron Rodgers had the perfect coach? You know, what if Ben Roethlisberger had the coach that was going to push him and make him watch tape and make him do those things? Maybe he would have won four or five Super Bowls, and maybe he would be. Cons- he would be in the conversation with Tom Brady. This whole thing with Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray, it's like he just needs someone who helps him to see that what he is doing is is leaving things unturned. He's leaving stones unturned, and that's what great quarterbacks don't do. Great quarterbacks control the controllables. You know what control the controllable is? You watch tape as much as you possibly can to make sure you know as much as you possibly can know before you play the game. That's a total controllable. You know, you work out, you know, you're, you're, you're in the best shape you possibly can. That's a controllable. You put, you eat the right things. That's a controllable. The greats make sure that they do all the controllables because there's so many things outside of their control that they can't, they don't know that they can't account for, but you can account for watching tape and you can't account for knowing tendencies of what the players you're playing against are. Those are all controllable things. And that's what drives me crazy about this Kyler Murray thing where he's supposed to have, you know, study hours or something. And, and then the Cardinals go back and take it out of the contract. It's insane. Why don't you just stick to your guns and keep it in the contract but now you pull it out, and now it may, Now you're not even sure what you're doing. So, uh, you know, after saying all that about you know Belichick and all this, I do want to rank my coaches. I do this every once a year. I rank all the current NFL coaches. I'm going to do it right before you know. Right now is a great time. Rank all the NFL coaches, top to bottom, the way I see it. Um, I'm very not. I'm really not that biased towards anyone. Uh, I really like McDermott and Vrabel. Those are the two I really like. However, I think I have them ranked properly. And I, I, you know, again, you could argue with me and you might argue that Vrabel, instead of 10th, is 12th. Okay. So let's be completely honest that that, that is not really an argument. If I have somebody ranked way out of line, you can tell me. And the only person I think you could argue with me with is McCarthy. But if anybody even worries about McCarthy, um, I feel like you would even not be that upset of where I have him. Okay. He's the only one who you could really argue. Let's be honest. Okay. So next let's go ahead. You know, number one, Belichick, six and three, in super bowls, nine Like, come on, nine super bowls. Come on. Like, like there's not even anybody. Tom Landry is the only other coach that has been to as many. Okay. All right. So let's just, let's move on from that. Okay. Andy Reid is number two. Again, I stated it earlier the coach who's consistently had success with multiple quarterbacks. Another coach is John Harbaugh, but I don't have him third. I have Sean McVay third. He has not had a losing season. He has two Super Bowls appearances. He's six and three in the playoffs. And, of course, they won the Super Bowl. So he's solidified himself as number three on the list. Mike Tomlin, number four. Two Super Bowl appearances, Super Bowl champ. Hasn't had a losing season. He's eight and nine in the playoffs. Um, this one is a little bit arguable. I agree. You know, we can move him down or you know, a little bit further down. Okay. Next is John Harbaugh, Super Bowl champ 2012. Eleven and eight playoff record. Pete Carroll, number six, two Super Bowl appearances, one and one in those, twelve and eleven in the playoffs. You know, a lot of playoff, a lot of playoff uh appearances, you know, mostly with um, Russell Wilson had one with uh, Hasselbeck, went one and one in those playoffs. So, you know, he's kind of done it with two quarterbacks. Uh, number seven, Doug Peterson. Uh, this one, yeah, I you know, I could see an argument here dropping him. Listen, he's beaten the GOAT in the Super Bowl and is the only current NFL head coach who can say that. That's all I got to say, okay? Number eight, Sean McDermott. He's four and five – four of his five seasons he's been in the playoffs. It looks like they're going to do it again. Three and four in the playoffs. They've been to win the conference title. You know, hasn't done a ton, but lights at the end of the tunnel. Uh, I got Kyle Shanahan number nine, which, you know, a lot of people would have Kyle Shanahan a lot higher. But you know what? Kyle Shanahan has not won a Super Bowl yet, okay? He can go at least down below people who've won it, who who won a Super Bowl, okay? So at the very least, you know, a lot of people put him above a lot of these guys the very least, he should be below people who've won a Super Bowl, okay? So most of most of the time my list is based upon, you know, how, how you know, playoff record, track record, along with current, you know, standings. Obviously, Pete Carroll could turn into a Mike McCarthy by the end of the season, let's be honest, okay? All right? Now, uh, but until that happens, I have to leave him where he's at. I got Mike Vrabel number 10. He's 2-3 and three in the playoffs. He's at a conference title conference title appearances but here's the main thing he has not had he he's had only winning seasons since he's been the head coach okay um zach taylor number 11 move this is for sure the biggest mover on my list he's moved way up okay zach taylor's number 11 on my list he's three and one in the playoffs he does have that super bowl appearance from last season uh he's the one that could move drastically as well okay however um I do believe the Bengals are going to be good again. I don't see how they won't be. I think Burrow's like the real deal. But let's be honest. The without Burrow, he was, you know, at the bottom of this list. Okay. Matt LaFleur is number 12. Now, Matt LaFleur has one thing going for him here. Okay. He gets along well with Aaron Rodgers. And he doesn't rock the boat and he just doesn't screw the thing up, is what I do notice about him. Okay. I do see him moving down on this list this year. Uh, I just don't see this thing working out too well without Devontae Adams, believe it or not. Uh, I got Frank Reich at number thirteen. This is a little bias, right? This is a little bias. Frank Reich, number thirteen. That's a little ske- you know. That's I. I'll take that. I'll take the criticism here, okay? But he has only had one. He's had three of four winning season. Three of four of his seasons are winning seasons, okay? He's one and two in the playoffs. All right. Um, Right after him's Ron Rivera. I guess you could put Ron Rivera above him, supposedly. But Ron Rivera in, you know, recent memory just hasn't been that good. Let's just be honest. He hasn't been that good. Okay. He's three and five in the playoffs. And that one, you know, when they made the playoffs with the Washington football team, they were seven and nine. So it's just like that's not that cool. You know, it's not that they were seven and ten last year. And, you know, after they lost that playoff game, they were seven and ten that year. He's been seven and ten two years in a row. Okay. So a little bit of track record here. He does have a Super Bowl appearance. He has coached two teams. So uh, the next one's Lovey Smith. He's back on the list because he's a head coach again. He has a suit. This is number 15. He has a Super Bowl appearance. He's three and three in the playoffs. Uh, solid coach. Uh, hasn't done anything in recent memory. I don't think he will either. Okay. So he could move down the list. Kevin Stefanski has a playoff win. He rounds off the top half of the coaches list. So moving on to 17, I got Mike McCarthy at 17. He's 10-9 and in the playoffs. He has a Super Bowl championship in 2011. That was a great run. They were the sixth seed. They ended up going all the way on the road to win the Super Bowl. I have him here because just, you know, we all have seen him coach. We all know. And unless you're a Cowboys fan, we know he is very average. And I think 17 is a perfect spot for him. And I think everybody listening would agree. I would – you know, if you want to argue Ron Rivera and Lovie Smith should be below him, okay. We're talking two different – we're talking two or three spots here. Okay, so you're splitting hairs with me. I'm splitting hairs with you. Let's just call it – let's call it a wash, okay? So um Nick Sirianni I have next. Um, He's a little he, – he's – I watched an interview with him on on Pat McAfee. He, I guess, got in a fight or almost got in a fight with a New York Giants fan at like a tennis court or something. And – because he the Giants guy was wearing a hat and he was like gonna knock him out or something. It was really funny. however, I, I mean I didn't think it was professional at all but from what I've heard about Philadelphia, that's the kind of coach you want, okay So I think he's you know out of these coaches that are kind of you know have barely anything to show for their name, right I think he's I think he's all right. I think he'd be all right okay so he, he has a playoff appearance. Next, I got Todd Bowles. He has a winning season. Todd Bowles really hasn't done anything. After this year, he he will have. And I think Todd Bowles could jump a lot of people. I think he can move up into like the 14, 13 spot, right, if they have a good run this year, right? Um, number 20, I got Cliff Kingsbury there. Now, I normally have, would have Cliff Kingsbury above both of these guys, but uh, so this whole thing with the Kyler Murray, like, study hours, Cliff Kingsbury tried to act like he, he knew nothing about it. And it was like, well – Who was the one who was supposed to tell them that Kyler Murray isn't watching enough tape? Well, who is it then who's, who's responsible for Kyler Murray? So the whole thing I felt is juvenile now. And I've never ever had a criticism of Cliff Kingsbury. Here's why I've always felt like he was a better fit in the NFL than the college. He's a hot shot. He's not a dad college, college coaches need to be like a dad. Like look at all the college, the good ones, they're dads, right? Straight up. Like, you don't need a hotshot head coach. It's They have no structure. He's a single guy. He's got no structure. He needs to be married. Okay? And the fact that he was so juvenile with this whole Kyler Murray thing is absolutely ridiculous. And I think a lot of this has to do with him. And I've never had a criticism of him because I always felt like he exceeded expectations all the time. I was like, this guy's doing way more than anybody ever thought he would. He's way better pro coach than he is a college coach. It's not even arguable. He has a losing record as a college coach. He has a winning record as a as a, as a pro coach or something close, right? So it's like I've never had a criticism, cr- criticism of him until today. And it's because I know his ship is not run tight, and it's that's just who he is. It's just who he is. Okay. I got him at 20. Okay. Now it's just a bunch of nonsense now, right? Josh McDaniels, I have next, but who knows? Brandon Staley, he has a winning season. I guess you could put them a book. You know, it's just like this is all like nonsense, right? Everybody beyond this does not have an asterisk next to their name to have anything to show, right? I got Matt Rule, Dennis Allen, Arthur Smith, Robert Salah, Matt Eberflus, Brian Dable, Nathaniel Hackett, Mike McDaniel, Kevin O'Connell. You know, it's like none of these guys – oh, yeah, Dan Campbell as well. You know, it's like none of these – they got nothing. So I I can't – there's nowhere to put them. It's just like a – you know, you just throw them all in the – 21st spot right and they're all tied okay so um that's my uh qb or coach coaches list so keeping the theme of coaches this is something i know you've never heard i know and it's the top five worst firings worst head coach firings in the nfl okay i'm about to take you back on a history lesson okay i think the worst or let's start with number five Okay, the Bucks fired Tony Dungy in 2001. And now you might say, okay, so Tony Dungy, they, they literally made it to the conference title game in 2001, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers under Tony Dungy. And you might say this is the worst firing. However, the following year, they win the Super Bowl. So it does make the list because it was bad. Because I think even if Tony Dungy was the coach, they still would have made the Super Bowl and probably won it. But – it isn't for sure the top one, and that is number five. Number four, Dolphins fire Brian Flores in 2022. This one's more recent. I think this one's a really bad firing because he was a solid, consistent coach. Now, with this coach completely turns this thing around, he he's not even on the list, right? If this if they make the playoffs and they win a playoff game, which looks highly highly likely because of how good that team is, it's like. This might not even be on the list, similar to the Tony Dungy's thing that barely made the list, right? Okay. Number three, the Lions fire Jim Caldwell on two, in 2018. You might argue with me, a Lions fan might argue with me, that this is the worst firing of all time. This is a franchise that hasn't done, has been literally won one playoff game. One. That was in 90, 1991 with uh i I just need a moment of silence real quick just to you know because it's a really sad state of affairs that the lions are in it it just really brought this like solemn mood over me just now oh man anyway uh barry sanders was a running back when they won and you know may he rest in peace in in football eternity because yeah this is sad Okay. That you had a coach that was had your team consistently winning and you fired him for Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia, who couldn't even give up his own coordinator duties in the same season that Adam Gase gave up his offensive coordinator duties. Like this, this was this could go down as the worst firing. However, I have it as number three on my list. Uh, Chargers fires, uh, uh, Marty Schartenheimer in 2007 after a 14-2 and two losing, you know, in the divisional round, so they were 14-3 and three season. This was a really bad firing because this was a team that was, you know, it's just like just stick with your guy, man. And you'll probably do really, really, you know, you might do more than you think. Just stick with your guy. And I know he wasn't the best in the postseason. I know it was all regular season with him. I get it. You know, if you go back – you can go look up Marty Schottenheimer. Go do it right now on Google. Just go look up his seasons. He had great regular seasons. His playoff record, you know, not good, not good. Maybe three or four playoff wins. You know, I think he made one conference title. So it's just like this, you know. But to me, it was just like fourteen and two. Come on, like nobody would like like franchises might do that once in their entire history. Like, give me a break, okay. Number 1, worst firing of all time. Raiders fired Gruden or they tra- they didn't fire him, they traded him. In 2001 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and he wins the Super Bowl against them. This is the worst of all of them. This is the mother of head coach firings is when you fire the guy who beats you in the Super Bowl. That's bad. Okay, so Those are my top five worst head coach firings in the NFL. So everybody uh, is coming out with these lists of all the players in the league, right? So I'm going to give you some lists. My first list is my QB tiers list, okay? Now, because, you know, I'm not really anybody, the list isn't that cool. But to me, it's really cool. And I think my friends will think it's cool. And my tier one, I call it the Super Bowl chance tier, okay? Okay so it's the obvious people right you got mahomes brady rogers allen stafford not in, in any particular order okay you got stafford burrow herbert wilson okay this is your tier one if i had to put them in order it would go like this i would put mahomes first allen second brady third and actually take that back i'm gonna put brady first mahomes second allen third stafford fourth burrow fifth rogers sixth wilson seventh herbert eighth okay i i am very skeptical on Herbert. he hasn't even made the playoffs yet i'm not really sure i why i have him in there but everybody knows he's good he's good he's gonna stay in there he's at, he's at the bottom though my tier two isn't really like it's, it's a little different than other tier twos i call it a talent anomaly okay so my talent anomaly people are Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, and Lamar Jackson. And if I had to put them in order, I'd put Lamar Jackson at the top of this. i put Deshaun Watson second and Murray last, mostly because Murray has decided that he doesn't need to watch tape, and I think it's ridiculous. Um, so my next tier isn't a tier three. However, when I read the names, you will you will consider them tier three type players. But I call it my tier 1.5, okay? My tier 1.5. And I call this tier, take less money and win a Super Bowl. So these are players who are good enough to win a Super Bowl, but they have to take less money to do so. And it starts with Garoppolo and Derek Carr, who I put them in the clutch. Like if I had like a subcategory within this category, there's a clutch and then there's stats. They're the clutch people. They have no – you know, Carr's stats are pretty good, but they're more – under pressure they just get the job done and garoppolo is for sure at the top of this tier because he has the most playoff wins out of everybody in this tier and he just doesn't get garoppolo and car to me are just really disrespected you know i've had my issues with garoppolo he just wins games and i think you know like i said earlier shanahan is perfect for him and he's perfect for shanahan and it's too bad that they're breaking up and then the next group is the stats people. So I got Prescott, Cousins, and Tannehill. Okay. All and like I said, all five of these guys, I believe, are good enough to win a Super Bowl. They just have they have to take less money. They have to do 30 million, you know, 25 to 35 million dollars. So they can pay a top end receiver, pay a top end pass rusher, pay a good solid uh, you know, left tackle, like like a really good solid left tackle, and probably like maybe two other really good linemen. And if you take twenty five, if you're if you're a G and you take twenty five million, you can pay four of the five offense. You could have four of the five offensive linemen that are just legit. Okay, so to me, these guys, if they were somewhere between twenty five and thirty five million dollars, they would be. You know, I would not be surprised at all if they won a Super Bowl. Okay, so tier four. So yeah, now I drop down to tier four because these are obvious people that aren't even in the in the conversation with any of those other guys okay i got matt ryan who's at the top of those and i call this my bridge qb tier okay matt ryan's at the top of this okay matt ryan's at the top uh i probably got mayfield second right on this list uh Tua. now after this it's not really in any order and i don't think anybody's gonna argue you know everyone's just gonna be like oh yeah Tua, Trubisky, Bridgewater, Wentz, Winston, T-Mobile, or Tyrod Taylor. I like we, I like Tyrod Taylor. Uh, Jalen Hurts, Heineke, and Mac Jones. So these are all, you know, bridge QB talents, right? Not necessarily, you know, like Tua could end up being a, a franchise guy, and I actually think this year he's going to be very good because of the players around him. He might go into that tier 1.5, you know, where it's like, you know, you just – if you just don't take a massive deal when you're going to get paid, you're probably going to win a Super Bowl, Tua. Okay? Now, uh, Jalen Hurts could end up in that Tier 2 talent anomaly category. He just hasn't done enough. You know, like like he's just uh, – Lamar Jackson's been to the playoffs three times. You know, Deshaun Watson's been to the playoffs, won playoff games. Murray's been to the playoffs. Um uh, I guess Hertz has been I guess Hertz and Murray are the same, you know, in terms of playoff success, but you know, Murray obviously just looks different. Well, let's just be honest. He looks different than Hertz, okay? Uh, when you watch him play. He's just kind of he's just different. Okay. So I still have Hurts in the bridge QB category. Now my tier five is unknown, so we just don't know anything. We know nothing. So Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and Deshaun Mills for Houston. My tier six. Is a is is called they're a backup or they just need to become a philanthropist and that's Jared Goff, uh, Sam Darnold, Mason Rudolph, Blaine Gabbert, Darnold. Oh, I already that's twice. Sorry, D, uh, D uh, uh, Daniel Jones. These guys are backups. Let's be honest, or they just need to be a th- philanthropist because they make a lot of money. So those are my QB tiers. So my next list is my wide receiver tier list. And, you know, when I start this off, okay, my first tier is in order based upon what I think, right? And this is where the arguments come in. It's like, who's the, you know, who's the best? It's like, you're argue, you're literally splitting hairs when you're trying to argue Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. Like, they are so good that it's just too hard to say, you know, like, it's like, I might think Tyreek Hill's better. You might think Devontae Adams better. But they're all tier one. Let's just like, you know, get over that. Right. They all have different skill sets. That's, what you, that's why it's hard to just argue it. Cause you, I might see that the, that the explosiveness of Tyreek Hill is more valuable than the consistency and the, and the possession of Devonte Adams. Right. Like I, I, I see that as more valuable. You see, you know, that the possession and just consistency of Devonte Adams is, is more valuable. So let's just, you know, let's keep those arguments out of here. So my first tier is in order based upon how I see them. Now, I also have tight ends in here. So it's more of like, you know, pass catching weapons tiers, okay? And I don't have all the tight ends. I just have the ones that I think are, are, you know, big impacts in the game. You know, like the Comet kid up in Chicago, I don't have on this list because it's just like, I don't see him as that big of an impact, right? So it's the tight ends that have an impact on their teams that I have on this, on these lists, okay? So my first list is in order on how I think, but after that, I literally just have names in the list based upon their skill sets. Okay. So my first, my, my wide receiver tier list, my first, my tier one, you know, wide receiver tight end tier, uh, tier list, tier one, you don't want to play these people. That's what I call it. Tier one, don't want to play. Starts off Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Cooper Cup, Stefan Diggs, Debo Samuel, Uh, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, and George Kittle. I do have them in order based upon how I see them as people you don't want to play. Okay? And then, you know, going into my tier two, they're number ones. They're number one. They're top target people, and they're consistent, and they're explosive. Okay? So I got Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, Tyler Lockett, Terry McLaurin, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Keenan Allen, Justin Jefferson, uh, Thielen, Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, Deontay Johnson, Calvin Ridley, Hunter Renfro, Marquise Brown, Zach Ertz, and TJ Hawkinson. Tight end. Tight ends to roll, roll it out there. Uh Tier three, you know, these guys could be number one receivers. Um They're more like high end twos, but they can still be a number one. So they're, they're, I, I label it as They're reliable, they're explosive, they're consistent, and they're over-the-top threats. Okay, so people, you know, they can still run. Okay, so you got Kenny Galladay, Pittman for the Colts, Marvin Jones Jr., Jarvis Landry, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., DJ Chark, DJ Moore, John Brown, T.Y. Hilton, uh, Chase Claypool, Robert Woods, C.D. Lamb, Curtis Samuel, Mike Williams, Corey Davis, Dallas Goddard, and... The Friar Muth kid, the tight end for the Steelers. Okay. Tier 4. So they're reliable. They're route runners. They're possession receivers. Not a big over-the-top threat. So they're not necessarily known for their speed. All right. Emmanuel Sanders is past his prime. He's not known for his speed anymore. Cole Beasley, Cortland Sutton, Willie Sneed. Willie Sneed is pretty fast. Maybe maybe he should go to Tier 2. But anyway, A.J. Green, Jamison Crowder, uh, Perriman, Michael Gallup, uh, Justin Jefferson, Russell Gage, Sammy Watkins, and Elijah Moore. And now, you know, I have an honorable mention. So didn't quite make a tier. I got Robbie Anderson, uh, Aguilar for, I think he was on the Raiders last year, and Hardman. He's one of the receivers for the Chiefs. So they're kind of like an honorable mention. I Couldn't quite find a place to put them. But that is my uh, wide receiver slash weapon slash tight end tier list. So the next topic is the AFC West this season. Top to bottom, excellent, all really good teams. And everybody I talk to, I'm pretty sure has a different team winning the division. I have the Raiders right now. I mean, I could change it before the season starts, but for now, I like the Raiders to win that division. I know that's a bit of a stretch, but I think all the teams are good and I don't think anybody in their, you know anybody who watches football, can even argue that none of the – you know, it's like you could argue any single team to win that division. You really can You can argue all of them. So it's just a matter of, you know, who does it. The team I do feel like is a fail-safe in that division is the Broncos. And I'm not saying they're going to win it, but I am saying I I do think they're like a lock for second or third in that division. I don't think they're going to finish last. I'm like almost a – you know, like I feel like most people in their right minds – them and the and the Chiefs, you just don't feel like either one of them are going to finish last. It's going to be like the Raiders or the or the Chargers, right? Who are going to finish last in that division? And heck, the way the playoffs are set up, you could get all four teams in the playoffs. You know, I don't I don't have that. I, I I find that really hard to happen, but it could happen. Okay, so I wanted to I, I did a little history le- I did a little history research on top to bottom best divisions by record in the nfl in the past so there was like this list um online uh you know it, it was like top 25 uh, nfl divisions uh by year you know and you know they go all the way back to the 70s and 80s but so i took out teams before the re- realignment of the divisions. so just so everybody understands there was you know less teams there's 30 teams i think the the Panth- i think it's the Panthers and the Jaguars are the two teams that were added, you know, back in, you know, two thousand ninety-nine. So, so somewhere around there, those two teams were added. And before that, there was three divisions in each conference, and each 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 division had five teams. So in that case, you know, five teams. There's just more wins, you know. So you can't really—they're not in the conversation. So I, I you know, I, I kind of cut it off at like 0-2, you know, like two thousand and two was the was the. Uh, year that i just did did the cutoff right and uh so i started just to look at teams after oh two okay and you know because because you go too far back it just starts getting weird you know you start you know the game was different just just everything's different right and teams were a lot you know the, the way the game was played was a lot closer so that the records there wasn't like these you know i i know the dolphins went 17 and 0 but it's just like there wasn't the you know the patriots went 16 and 0 you got teams that are going like 15 and 1 14 and 2 if you go back a ways, you know you like the best team in the league was like you know 12 12 and 4 sometimes and 10 and 6 sometimes you know cuz the the games were just the way the game was played was just a lot tighter and the margins of victory were just a lot smaller right overall you know obviously there's you know outliers years you know you got john elway You got good quarterbacks in there, you know, that obviously had better seasons than others, right? But anyway. So if you go back, the the division I think of right off the top of my head, and I remembered it vividly that year. And it was the 2007 AF AFC South, which was the same year that the Patriots – the undefeated Patriots played the Giants in the Super Bowl, which was, to me, the greatest game I've ever seen be- just because of the stakes, right? You know, obviously there was better games in terms of just, you know, pure entertainment, but because of the stakes and everything on hand, it was just it, – it was the greatest game I've ever seen. And it was just, like, the coolest environment, just where I was watching the game. Like, you'll always remember where you were watching that Super Bowl. I think – and the other one was the Atlanta uh, – the Atlanta Patriots Super Bowl, which was, like – You know, it just cemented Tom Brady as the greatest quarterback of all time. You know, and I call him the greatest football player of all time because, he's you know, all the positions are different. You can't, like, sit there and say, oh, yeah, of course he can't run the freaking four, You know, of course he can't run the 40. Of course he can't bench press. You know, screw that. He's the best football player of all time, okay? I'm not even going to argue that. You know, like, like, there's no argument. The only person you can kind of argue is Jerry Rice, you know, kind of. But it's just – that's it, okay? And – um it was that year that the 2000 the AFC South standings. So here, listen to the AFC South standings. The Colts won the division at 13 and three. Okay. The Jaguars were 11 and five and they ended up winning a playoff game as well. The Titans were 10 and six. They ended up losing to the chargers that year. Chargers ended up being the Colts the next round. Uh, Texans were eight and eight. So that was the worst team in the division was eight and eight. So, I, you know, like I said, I went to this list. You could type it into Google, you know, top 25 best divisions in NFL history type thing. I'm sure it'll pull it up. Um, now this, this division I think was ranked 25th on this list. However, if you go, if I was looking at the divisions after 2 there was the last place team on all, most of them was like four and 12. Okay. So I'm not talking about the most wins, a division i'm talking about top to bottom which division was the best in nfl history which division was the best and to me so far that's the best second best is the 2013 nfc west standings oh yeah by the way the win totals were 42 and 22 on both of these so 42 wins 22 losses right and seattle in 2013 was 13 and 3 this is the year um I think they went to the Super Bowl this year, but and then San Francisco was twelve and four, Arizona was ten and six, and the Rams were seven and nine. The reason I say that this division was second was because the Rams finished seven and nine, and then the other division, the two thousand seven AFC South standings, the Texans finished eight and eight. So I do believe that the other division was a little better because the bottom team wasn't as you know had a, had an even record. So the division, you know, the AFC West this year has the makings of having four teams with winning records what if that happened that would be insane and that would probably go down as the best division of all time you know because i i was even looking up some of the divisions there was like one that was like there was like three ten and six teams and then one was like you know six and ten that's pretty good but i'm talking about like you know you got a top heavy team you got another team that's a heavy hitter and then you got like two really good like Solid football teams in there. That's a that's a good division, okay. And that's what this division is going to look like. And I really hope that we get to see that. And this is James Montgomery, and this was the Stinger Podcast.